Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. So we're going to continue our series uh, that we started. Um, I, I can I can now say a couple of months ago. Before I used to say a couple of weeks, but a couple of months ago, and and I have really enjoyed. Um, just just teaching this because this for me has been an opportunity to really refocus and 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 recenter on why we started Access Church. Just like like you in in any area or aspect of your life, it's easy to get caught up in the busyness of things, right? It's easy to get caught up in the organization and 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 the busyness of ministry that you really lose sight and and lose focus on 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 what God is is called you to do and that's one of the things that I've often heard that that if the devil can get you to sin his next job is to get you so busy right that you can't really you can't you can't really focus on on what God has for you and so for me you know this this uh, series of messages really took me back to to that place to that moment where God three and a half years ago began to actually four because we're, we're already in December it was around September October of 2017 that God began to stir up in me the the, the idea about starting Access Church, and you know, through this series, we've covered the 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 why, the what, the how, and the who. And I want you to to repeat these because these are important. When people ask you, "Well, what's what's that crazy church you go to? What's it all about?" Th- this this is the information that you need to share. And so, the first thing that we talked about is the why, right? And the why is our mandate, and our mandate is to build a prophetic church with prophetic people in a prophetic culture. Now, I did not say pathetic, okay? I said (laughs) prophetic, right? Um, I I have to be careful because I guess sometimes when I say things, I say it so fast that people misunderstand what I say. And over the course of the years, I often mention a a very fine... institution and establishment called Cooters and somebody kept thinking I kept saying Hooters like man pastor's obsessed with Hooters he keeps saying it like that's a non-eagle passion right that doesn't know Cooters like he, pastor's really kind of obsessed with Hooters we better pray for him I'm not saying Hooters I'm saying Cooters okay so um, our mandate is to build a prophetic church with a prophetic people in a prophetic culture. That is, that is our mandate. And the what is our mission. Our mission is loving people into an authentic, relevant, and maturing relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to repeat that with me. Say it. Loving people into an authentic, relevant and maturing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what we're all about. This is the main thing, right? This is the main thing. This is the, the, the main core ingredient of everything that we are doing. And then from there, we talked about the how. The how is our expression. How are we going to live this out? And, and it's real simple. We love like Christ, we live like Christ, and we lead like Christ. Let me put that caveat. We really try to live like Christ because I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes as your pastor, I fail at that, right? I, I fail at that, but I try to do my best. I'm only human, right? But this is our expression, to love like Christ, to live like Christ, and lead like Christ. This is something that we aspire to do. And then we talked about the who. The who is our, our culture. And our culture is shaped by our core values. Our core values are those pillars that support the, the mission. The core values are, are the the. The, the pillars that, that shape and, and give form to our culture. Remember, I say that mission is what we do, but culture is who we are. See, when, when you walk into a place and, and you walk in, you can, you, what you feel is the culture, right? And just like you can feel a toxic culture, anybody ever been in a toxic culture, whether it's at home or, or, or work or, you know, in, in an organization, right? You can feel it. The same way you can feel a toxic culture, you can feel a healthy culture. When people come in, I, for the first time, I often hear, man, it feels good in here. Like, they're not talking about the AC, you know, they're, they're you know, 
They're talking about, about the culture, that, that, that non-tangible feeling that, that you just feel. You feel loved. You, you feel welcomed, right? And, and that is our culture. And culture is essentially the atmosphere, the ambiance, the environment of, of our church. And like I said, our church is shaped by our core values, right? And our core values, those, those, those things, that, that those principles that we are in intentional and deliberate about right and and we can list them out one is legacy which we talked about last week covenant relationships honor generosity servant leadership beauty and diversity excellence and creativity and innovation these are the pillars that that shape our our culture right and 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 one of the things is i was uh, meditating over this message I began to see how how these things that we've talked about honor and generosity and legacy that all of these are nothing more than an outward expression of love right because what we're what are we all about we're about loving people right loving people to Christ is the short form of our mission statement we're all about love right when when you love you can't help but but be generous towards it, right? And and, and when I often say, if you have a pro- problem with tithing or or giving, it's not because you're stingy; it's because it's a lack of love in your life. Because whatever you love, you you give to, right? And we've said it before that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving, right? And so so a, a generosity is nothing more than an outward expression of love. Honor is nothing more than an outward expression of love. If you say you love your wife, you should honor her. And the reason your wife asks you, babe, do you love me, is because she's not feeling honored. Let me tell you that if you begin to honor you, honor her, she'll never ask you that again. Thank you. That Honor your wife, and she went, babe, do you love me? You're like, babe, remember that one time, like a long time ago, I told you. Like, no. and, and we were going to say, like, if something changes, I'll let you know. But, you know, just 20 years ago, I said yes, right? But the reality is, honor is nothing more than an outward expression. It's to give value. Uh, to honor is to give value, to give weight, to, to give priority. And whatever you love, you you. You give priority, right? And and that's why your your kids have have this 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 complex, right? Because you say you love God, but you don't make God or church a priority, right? Because whatever you love, you honor. Whatever you honor, you give priority. You give importance and 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 legacy. And and today we are going to talk about about servant leadership, right? And 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 once again. Whatever you love, you serve. That's that's the bottom line. You you look for for things to serve, and and when we talk about about servant leadership, it's clear. The, that in scripture, Jesus places a high value of serving in the kingdom of God. Jesus places a high value of, of serving. When, when we look at that aspect of, of, of serving, it is clear from scripture that Jesus places a high value on, on serving. And when we talk about love, once again, love, it, when you love something, you, you serve it, right? You honor it. You're, you're looking to, to give to it, right? And, and the problem is that oftentimes as Christians, we, we become Christians. But when we become Christians and we become saved, when we come to church, we shouldn't just be looking for a seat. We should be looking for a place to serve. Just like I, I, I can question your salvation if you don't love, right? If you don't love God and love people, then that causes me to question, do you really have a relationship with God, right? Because if you have a relationship with God, the naturally outward expression is to, is to love, right? You, when, I could question your salvation if you're not generous, if you don't have a, a generous spirit, if you're more Scrooge-like than, than God-like, right? I, I can question and 
once again, I can question your salvation. Why? Because when you have a relationship with God and you understand God's love and God's grace, your natural response is to serve what you love, right? And so when we as Christians, when we come to church, we shouldn't just be looking for a seat. We should be looking for a place to serve. We've got to cancel out that, that consumeristic mindset and mentality that Christians are consumers. You as a Christian should not be a consumer of church. You as a Christian, as a believer, should be a servant in church. That's just, that, that's, if, if and, and I have a, a great teaching, and it's great because I wrote it, and, um, no, because it comes from Scripture, Thank you. Finally, someone's excited like me. I love it. I, I want to let you know that your children don't bother. I love to hear kids in church. I don't care if they scream, they laugh. It might bother you, but it doesn't bother me. So, parents, it's cool. Let your kids enjoy church because they're only going to be screaming and shouting for a little bit. Right? And Jesus even told the disciples, let the children come up to me. So when you love, you, you, whatever you love, you, you, you serve, right? And, and so we, we, we've got to understand that when, when we serve God and we love God, you know, it's, it's a natural response. But when we look at leadership in the kingdom of God and we look at kingdom leadership, see, for most of us, it's a paradox when we use the words leader and servant together, right? That, that is something that, that we, we don't often link or connect together, right? We, we, we see leader in in one perspective, in one filter, and we see servant from, from another place, right? Because in our carnal mindset, in our, our earthly models of understanding of leadership, it's paradoxical to see these, these two terms, you know, be connected and, and, and linked together. But like I said, and I've said before that the principles of God are counterintuitive to us. They, the, the principles of the kingdom are counterintuitive to us. They go against our, our nature. For example, the principles of God in the kingdom tells us that we've got to love those who hate us that's I don't know about you but that's not natural for me like if you hate me I'm probably going to try to hate you back right because that that's you know you block me on Facebook I'm gonna block you back right that's that's how we roll right but the kingdom of God says if they if they block you like you keep sending them a friend request right I love requesting friends after people I'm following me because I just want to be what, like, what are they thinking? Like, <laughs> try it. I love it, right? And pastor people, yes, they do. They unfollow me, right? And, and so that, the principles of God are counterintuitive. You know, the Bible says to ask forgiveness from those people who offend you. Like, that doesn't make sense to me, right? If you offend me, I want to offend you back. That's, that's my nature. That's my, my natural response, right? But the Bible says that if someone offends you, then you have to go and ask them for forgiveness. Like, like it just, and, and I've done it before and it freaks people out. Because they're expecting something else, right? They're expecting a natural human response. But when people offend you and you go and say, man, I, I, I'm just sorry. I, I don't know what I did, but obviously I did something. They're like, uh, well, no, but like, uh, you know, you know, they, they don't know how, how to take that. But that's the principles of the kingdom. They're counterintuitive, right? They go against our nature. The Bible says that if someone hits you, you got to turn the other cheek. Now, once again, I've been in that position and it's not easy. Right? Anybody ever been there? It's not easy, but those are the principles of the kingdom. And then here's a good one that we, that we need to know about during Christmas that the Bible says that it's better to give than to receive, right? Eso si cala, right? Like, man, God, I know, but I really like getting gifts, right? And think about it, right? Because our, our earthly natural mindset is... is to, to get, right, to get, right, for, 
For us, it's, it's better to receive, you know, and, and I'm experiencing that now more than ever because I'm sitting watching TV with, with my four-year-old son and every toy commercial, dad, I want that, dad, I want that, dad, I want that. Like every, like, I'm like, just tell me what you don't want. That'll narrow down the list, right? But you know what's funny? He never stops to say, dad, what can I give you for Christmas? Right? And your kids probably, why? Because when, when we're immature and, and we don't have our, 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 a clear understanding of God and the biblical principles that is better to give than to receive, right? Our, our, our naturalness, our, our natural selves and tendencies is to what? It's better to receive than to give. But, but that's what the principles of the kingdom, they, they go against our nature and our, our, our natural tendencies, right? And, and leadership in the kingdom is no different leadership in the kingdom is no different it it goes against that those earthly models of understanding and see there is a situation in scripture that clearly illustrates how jesus perceives leadership you know Peter, you know, being very, very vocal, he began to uh, uh, rise up in, in prominence amongst the disciples when he proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God in Matthew chapter 16, 16, right? And, and Jesus is having this conversation with Peter and, and, and Jesus asked Peter, says, Peter, who do people say I am on Facebook? No, that's not what he said. But if it was modernized, that's what he said. But he said, Peter, who do people say that I am? And, you know, Peter started going off and said, well, they say you're a prophet. They say you're a priest. They say you're, you're a rabbi. Some say you're the carpenter's son, right? And, and then Jesus stops and flips it on him. He says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus probably had one of those proud papa moments like, yes, yes, yeah, you, you get it. Awesome, yes, and, 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 and so he's, he, he's affirming and, and, and praising him. And, and he, in Matthew 16, 17, he's, he's, he affirms him. It says, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because my father in heaven has, re, has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now, one thing that you got to know, if you study Peter's uh, uh, psychological profile like his personality profile it didn't take much for peter to think all that great about himself right he he already came with with that chip on his shoulder he already came with like i'm the baddest fisherman on the sea this is my you know i, I you know no one can outfish me right he already came with that chip on his shoulder and here all of a sudden jesus is saying peter son uh, simon son of jonah you are blessed and i can imagine peter's probably looking at around the other side i told you guys do you like i told you like I'm the man, like, you know, I'm probably going to be assistant Messiah, you know. Like, I'm probably going to be in charge, like, when he goes away, like, you know, it's just, it's just meant to be. And, and, and so all of the other disciples, you know, they're, they're hearing this and they're looking this. And, and then all of a sudden you have James and John, who are also fishermen, and, and they heard Jesus praising Peter. And it kind of, re, re, you know, it, it kind of raised their competitive spirit. And they're like, oh, man, we, we've got to do something. And so hoping to preemptively gain position amongst the disciples James and John presumptively asked Jesus to do them a favor right have you ever had somebody ask you for a favor but they did it in a way to make it seem like you get to do the favor for them like it's your favor to do it for them right and 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 I came to get a sense that would that's what James and, and John like you know, they're, they're asking Jesus to do me a favor, but they're like telling Jesus, Jesus, man, you're honored and privileged, right? This is your privilege to do me a favor. And in Mark chapter 10, 35 through 37, it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor, right? And like Jesus, I mean, you're probably going to do it anyway, you know, 
but just, you know, I, I want you to do me a favor. And then in verse 36, Jesus says, what is, is your request? And verse 37 says, they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. So James and John hear Peter, you know, gaining prominence. They're like, man, dude, we, we, we got we to gotta do something. Let's, let, let's kind of figure something out. So they underhandedly, you know, they, they slide into Jesus' DM and they said, can you do me a favor? We want to sit on your right hand and on your left hand. We, we, when, when you have your kingdom and you come into the fullness, do you see that, that, that competitive spirit? Why? Because they, they, they had a different understanding of of leadership they had a different understanding and i love right after that when 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 jesus when, when jesus tells them in 38 39 and 40 he's essentially telling them in the rest of that passage right there he's like you have no idea what you're asking for see what you think you want you really don't want it what because you think that leadership is all about about affluence and influence and prestige and and being privileged but you have no idea what you're what what you're asking for because leadership in the kingdom is something totally different than you have in your mind he says guys you have no clue and and then we go to verse 41 it says when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked they were indignant they're like can you believe these guys who do they think they are but you know what they were probably mad because they didn't think about asking Jesus first like, oh, he beat me to it. I should have asked him first. And now James and John, they're going to be first in line. And, and they were upset. Why? Because their, their, their perspective and their perception about leadership was, 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 so, was so distorted, right? It was, it was just different. They, they had an earthly mindset. They had, they had an earthly uh, look at, at, at leadership, right? And, and, and so they, they wanted something. And Jesus is saying, man, you have no idea what what. It's like to be a leader in my kingdom. You think it's like this, but it's, it's really like this. You, you think it's all about prominence and privilege and, and position and power. But when you understand what leadership is in my kingdom, you might take your request back. So Jesus gets to the point in verse 42 because he hears James and John and then he tells them personally and then he discerns the heart of the other 10 disciples that, that got indignant, that were upset. So, so Jesus probably had one of those moments like, oh, like you as a parent sometimes, like you're trying to pull your hair, like you still don't, guys, you still don't get it. So Jesus says, I'm going to squash this once and for all. So in verse 42 it says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in the world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, right? And, and I love what Jesus does. And even here is a leadership lesson, right? Because he's calling out the earthly models of leadership. He's calling out uh, uh, and he's really exposing the motivations of their heart. He's exposing what is at the root of their request, what is at the root of, of their indignance, what, what made the other 10 mad, and what caused John and James to ask to be at the right hand. He's exposing them. Why? Because the disciples, their, their concept and their understanding of leadership was deluded and contaminated through an earthly model. It was, it was a Roman model. It was a, a Roman concept, right? And, and they thought that, that if they could sit at the right hand and, and, and the left hand, that they would, they would be in a place of power, of privilege, and, and, and prominence. And so here, Jesus is first describing the earthly, fleshly, power-based models of, of leadership, but he's exposing what's in the heart of his disciples. He's like, this is what's at the root of your request. See, because you've got to understand, they were living under the Roman Empire. And in the Roman world, power and position were societal status markers. 
uh, it was, you see this, and, and you can often see these living in, in Latin America, you know, there is still uh, a lot of, of roots of the caste system. I don't know if you're familiar with that from, from your studies of, of sociology, the caste system. People are known by, by, by their degrees. Like it's those of you that aren't, you know, familiar with Latin America, people call each other by their titles. Architect, you know, lawyer or doctor or teacher, because it, it's very important to them within that culture. And in the Roman culture, it was all like that, and most of them were 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 soldiers in in the army, and and they were known by their rank. Do you remember the Bible says there was a Roman centurion, right? The centurion wasn't his name. Centurion was his rank. It was his position. It was it was his place, right? And so the disciples they grew up in this culture where where power and position were were society markers. It was it was all about the status. It was about who you were. And because of that, their idea and their concept of leadership was like that. And in the Roman world, the leaders exercised complete control over their subjects. Their, their leadership was, was often brutal and, and oppressive. I'm sure you have heard that, that phrase, going the extra mile, right? And, and, and that actually comes from the Bible. Like people don't believe in the Bible and they repeat the Bible all the time. Well, you know you got to go the extra mile, right? Well, that's from the Bible. I don't believe the Bible. Like, well, just that part, right? And the reason that Jesus was teaching his people that you have to go the extra mile because a, a, a Roman citizen can go to a Jew or a Hebrew and they could stop them whatever they were doing. If they were on their way you know, to, to work or to school, if they were working, whatever they were doing, a, a Roman citizen could stop any Hebrew and say, I need you to do this. You, you've got to do this for me. It's your, it's your place in our society to serve me. And they would make them, and by law, they would have to carry the Roman soldier's gear and, and pack one mile. Or the equivalent of whatever was the, 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 the measurement of, of distance, right? By law, they were required, and they could do it. And, and they would do this just to lord their authority, just to laugh and ridicule and mock them. Watch this guy. I'm going to make him carry this, right? And they probably got the smallest, scrawniest guy like Caleb and, and, and put all the heavy stuff. And look, look at that guy. He can't even carry anything. And, and they're, they're laughing at him. They would do this just to ridicule and mock. Now, you've got to understand that this is the concept of leadership that the disciples were familiar with. And Jesus was exposing what was really in their heart. And that's why he said, you guys have, have no clue. But Jesus preparing to leave his disciples to continue leading his mission of kingdom expansion. He wanted to make, clear, make it clearly understood the kingdom philosophy of leadership. That's why in verse 43, he says, but among you... It will be different. But among you, it will be different. He says, this is how they lead, right? This is, this is how the, the, the secular people, non-believers, non-godly people, this is how they lead. They, they lord their authority. They, they manipulate their power, their position, and their privilege, right? But Jesus says, that's how they do it, but this is not how we're going to do it. This is not how you're going to lead. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to lead the way that I say you're, you're, you lead. This is, this is how you're going to do it. He was building that contrast between an earthly model-based leadership and between a heavenly model-based leadership. And see, there's one thing that I've learned what, about immaturity and authority. Immaturity always perceives authority as control. That's, that's just the way they did. And so the disciples, James and John, are exposing their immaturity because they think they get to sit at the right hand, which means that they can actually be the boss, right? I don't know about you, but even my son now, he's like, dad, I want to be the dad. And I said, okay, I'll be the son, you be the dad. And the first thing he does is, you better do what I say. 
Why? Because in his mind, being the dad or being an authority is essentially you get to be the boss. When your kids play house and they say, I want to be the mommy and the daddy, what they're really saying is, I want to tell everybody what else to do. And if you hear them, you better clean your room. You better make your bed. You, or you better go make my bed, right? <laughs> Why? Because immaturity always perceives authority as control. And so James and John were exposing the immaturity in their life. And they thought, oh, this is our, this is our, our, our time. This is our moment because Jesus is going to leave and then we get to be the boss. We can boss the other ten disciples around. Because immaturity always perceives authority as control. See, when you're immature and you're under authority, what does that mean? That means, oh, they're trying to control me right? When you're immature and you're under authority, my parents just want to control me. They just want to be in every, every part of my life. They just want to tell me what to do. Well, yeah, they're your parents, right? Because that's how immaturity perceives authority. And when you're immature and in authority, then you want to control people. Essentially, you want to be the boss, right? I want to be the boss, right? I, 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 I'm, and and, and that's, that, that exposes immaturity. But then after that, Jesus goes on to describe to the disciples authentic kingdom leadership. Look at, look at what he says, verse 43. First he says, it won't, among you it will be different. And then he says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Boom, tomala. That's, that's the Greek word for drop the mic, right? Right? He's like, okay, you want to be a leader? Okay, I'm going to tell you the, this is how they lead and this is how we lead. When you're a leader, all that means is that you get to be a servant. This, this, is, this is how we do things. And then he says, and whoever wants to be the first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Because of their earthly model, the, the contamination of the Roman model of leadership, they thought, man, if we're in leadership, then that means we get to be the first at everything. We, we can tell everybody what to do, but Jesus saying, you know what? It's not going to be that way in my kingdom. If you want to be a leader in the kingdom, the first thing you do is got to serve. The first thing you have to do is be a slave to everyone else. What is the context of that? He's not literally telling you be a slave. The context of that is that you get to put everybody else's needs before yours. How does that look in a church? That looks in a church when you come and you don't look for a seat. You look for a place to serve. When you come in and say, man, what can I, what can I do for, for God's people today? How, how can I help, Pastor? How, man, Bibi, how can I get involved? And, and it's funny because people have come in and say, we, we, we want to get connected. We want to serve. Okay, we need people to clean and we need people to help with children's ministry. Oh, well, I'll just wait till another opportunity shows up. But see, when you have a heart to serve, you don't care where you serve. You just want to serve. And see, the heart of access leadership is, is, is this is it. The, the, the access leadership is about serving. The fact that I'm the lead pastor of access church is nothing more than I'm the lead servant. And as a pastor, I'm willing to do anything that is needed in the kingdom of God because that's the true heart of a servant. A true heart of a servant is not someone that just serves when it's convenient or when it's something that they like or something that's prestigious. A true heart of a servant serves wherever there's a need. Pastor, if I got to clean the toilet, I'll clean the toilet. I've cleaned the toilet here at church. I'm the lead cleaner of the toilet. And I'll clean that sucker good. Like, you'll be able to see yourself in that. You'll be over there looking at. 
in the toilet, not even in the mirror. That's how good I'm going to clean it. Because everything I do, I do it for the honor and glory of God. People over the last three and a half years, they're like, Pastor, like, what do I have to do like, to be up there on the pulpit? I said, you want to you be up here in the pulpit? Yeah. Okay, well, I need you to serve. Well, I really don't want to be up there that bad. Right? Nobody gets to stand up here, even in the worship team, unless they're willing to serve. Because that's what it's all about. And, 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 and I love this because Jesus goes on to make sure that they get the point so clearly. Right? In verse 45, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And give his life as a ransom for many. He he wanted to make sure that they got the point. Jesus said, even I, the Messiah, the son of the living God, right? The the pre-existent one, right? The the, the word made flesh. Even I, I, I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve and I'm here to lay my life. So if you really want to be a leader, then you're going to have to lead like I do. And Jesus tells the disciples to reject the power-based, self-serving, and self-protecting leadership style of the Romans. Instead, as, a, as kingdom leaders, they should seek, right, to lead by serving. And as, as Jesus described his own role as a servant, it is clear that the purpose of a Christian leader is to serve, right? We as, as leaders, and, and, and this is very clear that, that we leave to, uh, that we make sure that every leader in Access Church understands this, whether you're leading the hospitality, the, the, the children's ministry, media, worship, dance ministry, is that just because you're, you have the title of leader doesn't exempt you from serving because that's what it's it's all about the kingdom distinction is clear that Christian leaders are not leaders who happen to serve. No, Christian leaders are servants who happen to lead. And that is the servant leadership philosophy of Access Church. We lead as we serve and we serve as we lead. In other words, Jesus is modeling it. And I'm going to be honest. As a, as, a, as a young leader, I didn't understand or appreciate the distinction between earthly models of leadership and kingdom leaders. See, I became an, a, a, a youth pastor, an associate pastor at the age of 19 and 20, right? And I thought as a leader that I meant I was the boss. Why? Because I was immature. And I thought that that meant that I get to tell people what to do. And I love and I thank God for my father-in-law who was my pastor, who was my leader, because I know I probably gave him every gray hair of head on his body because I came in fresh out of Bible college thinking I was going to save the world and I was going to rule the world and I was going to show everybody how church should be and what it's like to be saved. And all I did was cause a lot of people to quit serving in church. Because I didn't understand. I was, I was immature in, 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 my, in my leadership. And so for years I led from a position of power and authority. But as I began to mature, I realized that my leadership strength came out when I focused not on leading, but on serving. See, one thing I've realized that when you really have authority... You don't need to go telling everybody that you're the boss. See, if you have a boss or a supervisor or a manager that has to make it a point for you to know that they're the boss, then that tells me that they're self-protecting and self-promoting. That tells me that they're insecure with the position they have, and they have to say, well, that, because I'm the boss, that's what I say. So, No, because when you really have authority, you don't have to go around telling people your authority, right? Right? 
You don't have to tell people that, that you're in charge. And as I grew and I matured in my leadership and understand that this was not something that I just employed in church, but I also employed this in the marketplace as a manager in corporate America, I realized that my position of power and authority as, as a corporate leader, as a corporate manager, was not to manipulate employees, not to get them to do the things that I didn't want to do, but it was my place and it was my position, but it was my privilege to serve those that worked for my company. You know, one of the greatest compliments I ever, I ever received, and this happened years, in 2012, I left my job in a consulting company to go to Mexico to be a, a missionary evangelist. We left everything, we went down to Mexico, we served seven years before God brought us back to, to the States. And years after, I ran into an old friend who I didn't realize that happened to be working in the law firm that I worked for when I was a business consultant. And, we, and he was like, yeah, I, I work at, at, at uh, this law firm. And, and I said, oh, yeah, man. And I started asking how so-and-so and how so-and-so. And, you know, one of the things he said, you know what? Everybody tells me all the time that you were the best manager that they ever had. Man. That made me proud. It made me happy. Because every day I went into work as a manager and I would go to all my employees and I would tell them good morning. Every morning I do I get my cup of coffee from a place that we shall not name that has a white with a green mermaid on the cup. <laughs> and I'd walk through the office. Every secretary, every paralegal, and it was four floors. That's how he stayed skinny, right? Maybe I need to start doing that again, right? Walking from house to house. <laughs> but every morning, I'd, good morning, how are you? What can I do for you today? Every morning, not realizing that I was leaving an impression on their heart. And that's what I say, these values they should not just be something that we live or do here at church. They should transcend to our families, to our homes, to, to, to our work. And see, in that time, in my heart, I switched from being a leader who happened to serve to a leader who served that happened to lead. You know, today, the world is in need of a different leadership model. Just read any news cycle, you will find abandoned values, betrayed trust, exploitation, and manipulation by people of power and influence. Corporate leaders who exploit privileges of position over employees. Leaders of country exploiting the conditions and needs of their citizens. Church leaders who have compromised their integrity and created delusionment and skepticism. And unfortunately, the leadership that most people have experienced today is summarized by the popular expression, it's all about me or it's all for me. Self-promotion, which essentially is pride. Self-protection, which is fear, are the prominent motivations that dominate the church leadership landscape. And many leaders act like their followers are there for their benefit. And those are the ones we call self-serving leaders. But I've got good news for you today. There is a better way to lead. There is one perfect leadership role model that you can trust, and his name is Jesus. There is a way to lead that honors God and restores health and effectiveness to churches and to relationships and to families. It is the way Jesus has called us to follow as leaders, to serve rather than be served. And we call that servant leadership. And as I close today, Jesus not only preached it, but he lived it out. In John chapter 13, 1 through 17, we find this amazing scene where Jesus shows up at this house and doesn't tell us exactly where or what family. 
but him and his disciples were invited to each to eat after church at somebody's house. In case anybody wants to invite us. Me and all my disciples. <laughs> all 40 of us. Right? And they're sitting there. And you've got to understand that this is not the first time that this has happened. This is probably something that, that they experienced and went through time and time again. But there Jesus was in, in the living room with his disciples. And I imagine Jesus probably for a moment like, okay, you guys have been with me for almost three years. I'm sure you guys get it by now. And, and they're all sitting there and all the disciples, James and John and Peter and Judas, they're all there and they're waiting. Why? Because in that culture, whenever you went to someone's house to visit, there would be a servant that was required to wash your feet. And there the disciples were probably laughing, joking. Dude, did you see that miracle? Like, dude, that guy couldn't see. Then all of a sudden, like, he couldn't see. And I was like, how many fingers, right? You know, and they're talking about all the miracles. Dude, that dude got raised from the dead. I know, bro, that was crazy. Man, I'm really hungry. I hope, man, I hope the food's almost ready. And I imagine Jesus looking around and his heart breaking because they still didn't get it that they weren't there to be served. They were there to serve. So the Bible paints a picture that Jesus gets up and he takes off his really cool access jean jacket, custom print, uh, custom painted, no, I'm just kidding. The Bible says that he takes off his mantle and he ties a towel around his waist and he gets the water and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And they were probably like freaked out, right? Because here Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, had just finished preaching and doing all of these miracles. He takes off his mantle. And I love what John says in that first verse that Jesus was not having an identity complex. In 13.1, it says that Jesus knew clearly that he was with God and from God. He knew, he knew who he was, but yet he took off his mantle and he tied a towel around his waist. And he knelt down. And he started to wash his disciples' feet. The Bible says that he took the posture of a servant. But it wasn't that he took the posture of any servant. Because in that culture, there was levels of servitude. There was, the, remember, it was, a, it was a very hierarchical, you know, culture and society and community, right? And, and, and you had the high servants and then you had the medium servants and you had the low servants. And it was the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servants that had to wash the disciples' feet. So it wasn't only that Jesus took the posture of a servant. He took the posture of the lowest servant. And he began to wash. And Micah knows good preaching where he hears it. And he began to wash the disciples' feet. And you know what? They still didn't get it. How do I know? Because big mouth Peter, right? Bismarck Peter to the says like, Jesus, dude, what are you doing? Like, there's people that do that for us. Like, you know, like you're Jesus and we're your crew. Like, we're the squad. Like, we're not here to do that. You, and, and Peter says, Jesus, you shouldn't be doing that. But you know what it doesn't say? Peter never got up and took the towel or the basin or the water. He's like, Jesus, you shouldn't be doing that. There's people like, that do that for us. And Jesus probably just looked at him like, dude, you don't get it. Cabezon, right? Cabezon is Greek for hard-headed. Man, I'm bringing all the theology out today, right? The biblical roots of everything, right? He never got up to took the towel out of his hand or the basin. And Jesus went one by one washing their feet. 
And you know what the most amazing part of this story is? In verse 15, Jesus says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. All of the amazing things that Jesus did in those three and a half years of his earthly ministry the people he raised from the dead, the, the paralyzed that, that walked, the, the deaf that could hear, the blind that were made to see. The times that he walked on water, calmed the storm, multiplied the fish and the loaves, turned water into wine. None of those amazing things did he ever say, do as I've done to you. He never said, follow this example. Until this moment, that he took the posture of a servant and he said, do as I do. See, in a church today, this model of leadership is very different than what we see. Because now we find leaders who want to control instead of leading by example. Leaders looking to relegate instead of delegate. Leaders looking to be served instead of looking to serve. See, when God called me to start a church, start Access Church, I asked God, I said, why another church? Do you know how many churches there are in Eagle Pass? A lot, <laughs> right? And I thought, why another church? God, there's, there's already a lot of churches. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, but this church is going to be different. And I said, what's going to be different? He said, you're going to restore the model of certain leadership in my kingdom. Today we have leaders that think they're couples of, of the kingdom and they walk around with entourages and security, private escorts, armored cars. I'm like, dude, like, you can't touch them. You can't talk to them. Can't call them on their cell phone. Right? And God says, but your church, this church, is going to be different. And one of the things that's going to make us different is that we're going to restore the servant leadership model of the kingdom of God. So if you want to lead, get ready to serve. Because that's the heart of who we are. Will you stand? Lord, we love and we thank you today. God, I pray that these values would, would permeate our lives, that they would transcend our church life and become prominent in our family life, in our home life, and in our work life, in our school life, in our play life. God, that wherever we go, God, we would seek to serve and not just be served. God, that we would follow that example that you so clearly left for your disciples on that day when you took the posture of a servant, took off your mantle, took off your robe, and began to wash your disciples' feet. God, I pray that we would start a servolution, a revolution of serving in our lives, in our family, in our home, our community and in our church. God, I pray that we would be servants. And when we come to church, we wouldn't just look for a seat, but we would look for a place to serve. And we ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus for you to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.